Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. So, I just did a, a quick study on Thanksgiving in the Bible. Um, I'll share with it with you quite quickly. Um, one of the main words used in the Old Testament uh, for Thanksgiving is yada. Uh, it's a Hebrew verb. It can mean to throw, to give thanks, Lord, or praise, to confess something about God, or to confess one's own sin. So it's, that's an amazing word, right? It can mean quite a few things. Um, a very rich word. Referring to Thanksgiving specifically, so used in that context, is used about 40 times in the Old Testament. The other um, primary word used for Thanksgiving in the Old Testament is uh, toda. Uh, it means confession, praise, thanksgiving, giving of praise to God, thanksgiving in songs of worship, thanksgiving choir or procession, a thank offering, a sacrifice of thanksgiving, um, confession. And there it's used 24 times, specifically in the context of thanksgiving. In the New Testament, um, the main word is eucharistio, uh, which is a noun, or eucharistia, which is the verb form of the same word, which means thankfulness, the giving of thanks, mindful of favors, grateful, thankful, and is used 54 times in the, in the New Testament. And so Thanksgiving, would you agree, is a pretty big theme um, in the Word of God. So I was also thinking about what are the, asking this question that you guys have been discussing. Why Thanksgiving? Why is it such a big deal to God? We're seeing it so much in the Word. Like, why, you know? Um, And let's look at some of the effects of Thanksgiving. So the first one is one that came up that Diana mentioned just now. It's Thanksgiving is actually a way of entering into His presence, Like that scripture says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, right? Which is this picture of a king and a palace and a kingdom. And it says, with thanksgiving, we enter in. And I've been experimenting with this um, in my own life, but also in corporate settings um, when when praying with with other people. And uh, my question to you is, how strong is your thanksgiving muscle? Because um, I would start a prayer session, and I'd say, okay, guys, let's first not pray, okay? Before we start interceding, before we start, like, proclaiming and all of those wonderful things, let's actually just spend some time, like, thanking God for who He is. And, um, and in my experience, it usually, it, it's quite short prayers, and it, the whole thing lasts, like, a minute or two sometimes. And then we run out of things to give thanks for. And, uh, and I've been, like, looking at that for myself a lot lately to say, how strong is my Thanksgiving muscle, you know, in terms of just saying, oh, God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you've saved me. Thank you that where you've brought me from. Thank you that even though I haven't seen this promise fulfilled yet, your promise is that you, you are with me throughout and that you will never leave me nor forsake me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. actually a muscle that needs training. Another effect of thanksgiving is um, that it shifts our perspective, which is, um, I think, links to what Shamiso shared earlier around in your circumstance, that it actually takes away from what's happening immediately in front of you, and it, it, it focuses your mind on 
who God is and what He's done. That has such a big impact on how we show up in the world, is what we're aware of, what we're focused on. And linking back to Reino's sermon last week, where Romans 8 talks about a mind that's set on the flesh is death. But a mind that's set on the things of the Spirit is peace and life, right? And thanksgiving takes away from the stuff that's happening in front of me right now that's trying to consume me, that's wanting to discourage me, that threatens to distract me, and it actually says, in this circumstance, remember who God is and what He's done. There's a few times in Scripture where Scripture admonishes us to say, set your hearts and minds on things above. In Colossians 3 verse 1 and 2, that also shows up. But um, it actually helps us to, in a, especially when it's impossible, right? And we know that um, what's impossible with man is possible with God. But especially in those circumstances, Thanksgiving actually gives us the faith to believe for what God wants to do in those areas. Because we know, we know who He is and what He has done in the past, which means He is still that and He can still do it in the future. And so it moves us away from, from what's immediately in front of us. I think Thanksgiving really just blesses God as well. It's an offering to Him. It's something that pleases Him. Just blesses His heart. There's a story, this amazing account in Luke 17 where Jesus heals a group of ten lepers. And He, he heals all of them the same. But then only one of them come back to say thank you. And to, to praise Jesus for the miracle he had performed. And that one was a Samaritan. He wasn't even a Jew. Um, he was considered a foreigner, culturally speaking. And so one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And I think... Just the fact that Jesus seems, seems shocked and disappointed at that means that there was an expectation for thanksgiving from that, right? And it's something that, that blesses God. It's an offering. It's something that's pleasing to Him. Another way of thanksgiving, another effect is, is to wage war. It's actually a tool for warfare, and, um, and I, I specifically feel like this is a, a key for some of us sitting in this room, and you've maybe been fighting a battle for a while, and you feel like a victim in that battle, and you feel like you've tried everything in your own strength, and you've read the books, and you've applied the principles, and you've done these things, but actually nothing in that war or that battle has changed. And God is just inviting you to start to give thanks, to give thanks for who He is, for what He's done. This story um, comes from two chronicles where um, King Jehoshaphat received word that there were these armies that were coming to fight against them, multiple armies of other nations that was just in the natural, just by looking at the numbers and the, and the strength of the forces were going to annihilate them. And they were afraid and they prayed to God and God spoke to them. God spoke and he said, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out ahead of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. 
That was literally their battle strategy. God also told them, you will not have to fight in this battle. I will fight this battle on your behalf. And God actually caused the enemy to have intense confusion. And so they started to war against each other and they actually ruined each other without the Israelites having to lay a hand on them. And this was their entire battle strategy to send, to send you know, if, if it were me, I would send the, the biggest, strongest guys with the sharpest, sharpest bows and arrows or whatever they fought with those days. You would put them at the front. And um, these guys said, well, God said he's going to fight on our behalf. So we're putting the priests in the front. And the priests is leading the army. And they are giving praise and thanks to God. And they're literally walking into battle saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And that's what all that was required. And as they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against those people. And the enemies were defeated. So thanksgiving is also a way of waging war. Another one is um, if you want to know what the will of God is, <laughs> if you feel like you've, you've moved far away from his will, give thanks and you're right back in his will. <laughs> right? That's what that scripture says. Maybe there are other parts of your life that, that may also need to be aligned to his <laughs> But um, this scripture says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love that. I love it when it's just simple and it's straight and it's not ambiguous and I can just apply it. <laughs> and when I, when I feel like I'm all over the place, I feel like I can't hear God, but I have a des- desire to walk in His will, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So Thanksgiving's pretty amazing, hey? Do you agree? Amen. <laughs> why, why do we sometimes struggle with it, though? Or am I the only one that sometimes, often, forget and just become aware of what's in front of me and um, sometimes gets overwhelmed by that and sometimes forgets who God is and what he's said and what he's done. Why does that happen? I, th- I think there's a few reasons why, why maybe some of us struggle, struggle with that. I think one of the reasons is that um, we, some, you know, maybe we just don't know that it's that big a deal. Maybe we've just never known. Okay, Thanksgiving is actually quite a big deal. And uh, in that sense, it's, it's unintended ignorance. Maybe on another level, and I think this is maybe, maybe a big reason for some of us, maybe it feels inauthentic to give thanks when you're not feeling thankful. And you want to keep it real, you know. You want to be honest and open with the people in front of you. And uh, you don't want to be that... You know, a religious person that's just like, oh, you know, God is good all the time, and all the time he's good, but actually I'm suffering, you know. And maybe you've got that picture in your mind, and you're like, I don't want to be that person, you know, that says stuff that's not true because they like using it as a crutch or whatever. But um, the truth of the matter is that it, it actually doesn't have much to do with our feelings, and it actually has everything to do with who God is and what he's done. 
Um, if we're saying that he deserves thanks when we feel thankful, then we're saying the stuff we're giving thanks is dependent on our emotional state or our experience in that sense. I get this. Like, I fall into this trap as well. And I, um, you know, I, I had one stage, especially when, when I became a pastor, because it's interesting how people sometimes act differently around you when you become the pastor. <laughs> And then they, when you, previously you spoke about the weekend and now all of a sudden they're like, Yo, I just want to tell you about this vision I had and um, this dream and I'm just like, just tell me how your weekend was, you know. And uh, <laughs> how's it going? No, it's going really good. God is good, you know. And, I, and sometimes I volunteer, you know, I volunteer where I've messed up and I intentionally try to be vulnerable so that we can just have a real conversation. But... Um, but this is different. Um, when we looked at that, previ- that word previously where it says, I think it's, um, what's that um, Hebrew word was? Toda. I almost said Yoda, but that's Star Wars, isn't it? Um, toda, um, part of that means um, uh, an, an offering or a sacrifice. And so there's actually a thing as a thanksgiving offering or a sacrifice. And what are we sacrificing? We're sacrificing how we're feeling in this, in this moment. And we're saying actually like who God is and what he's done trumps that. You know, it doesn't make my feelings invalid. It's not like God doesn't care about that and I must pretend that I'm okay. That's not what it's about at all. But it is a choice to say he remains good. He remains faithful regardless of that. And actually, sometimes that is the key to feeling differently. Not always. Sometimes that won't change. But sometimes it is. Um, and then I think the third one is, um, is also a big one. I think for some of us, complaining is deeply ingrained in our minds. And um, I'm just going to be, if you will allow me, just to be quite straight for the next few minutes. Um, and I, I think we don't actually realize how deep this is entrenched in our culture. Um, and that's not limited to a language group or a people group. I think, you know, just looking at society around us, like we, complaining actually runs much deeper than sometimes we want to acknowledge. Right? Largely, our, our culture can be marked by entitlement and discontentment in many cases. I'm owed stuff. The world owes me stuff, right? Or I'm not there yet. And that's, I mean, that's every marketing strategy starting position, right, is if you have this, you know, then life will be awesome. Life will be great. Isn't it so amazing? Do you remember when it was still legal to advertise cigarettes? Or who, who remembers that? This will betray your age maybe, but... So that used to be legal for those of us who um, to, to, to market cigarettes. And um, it was always these, like, you know, Swiss Alps. These, like, which seems like a really healthy lifestyle, you know, this amazing. So just if you buy Peter Stuyvesant, you know, then this is the dream. And, um, but our culture is largely marked by, by entitlement and discontentment. And, and some of us in our growing up, Maybe it was in your immediate family or immediate home, or it was in your school, or it was in your extended community, but complaining was kind of the native language, and that is almost the default of where we go, 
And that's where we connect with each other, when we're in that place of being negative and calling out what's not working and dwelling on what's not happening. It actually becomes a mindset and you can actually get into a place where that's, that speaks differently and you change your language, but at the heart of it, there's still, there's still a deep complaining. And um, God actually gave me God actually gave me a word this week when we were at the pastor summit, and I, I I I felt like God said to me that we as as so far, not just as so far Santon, um, but as 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 the the whole church, including all the congregations, um, we have we had just been we had come out of Egypt and we have been through the Red Sea, and we are just on the other side of the Red Sea, and we're we're looking out and the desert is in front of us. And it's actually, it's a 40-day journey to the promised land. Did you know that? If you walk a straight line, it'll take you 40 days. But how long did the Israelites spend in the desert? 40 years, right? And much of it was because of this. It was because of a complaining and a, gr- and a grumbling speaking against God, being dissatisfied with his provision, and constantly rebelling against, because he was actually trying to give them instructions and commandments that would sustain them when they reached the promised land. Because when you get to the promised land, then it's abundance, and it's flourishing, and there's so much fruit, and there's so much going on. But if we're not actually rooted in who God is and his ways, then that might also consume us. Right? And we might become distracted, become distracted there in, in, in the place of abundance. And so God actually wants us to, in this time, get to know his presence anew and walk closely with him and follow him where he's going and receive those instructions and be content with his provision and give thanks rather than complain. Philippians 2 verse 14 says, do everything without complaining. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.